Welcome to another brand new episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditch the norm to follow their passions and find their purpose in order to live their best life. Want to learn how to live an offbeat life or share your own experiences, maybe get some advice on working remotely from people who have been there? Then join our Facebook group, The Offbeat Life. Again, that's The Offbeat Life. I'll see you there. My wonderful guest today is Joseph Ruzer. Joseph is an executive producer who has produced a variety of reality television shows such as Flavor of Love, Rock of Love, and the I Love New York franchises. Joe was discontent with the work that he was doing with reality TV, so he left to start his own production company, where he is now creating featured films, documentaries, web series, and commercials. This was such a fun interview for me because Joe and I have been friends for a few years now, and he's been based in Las Vegas for a while, so it was Wonderful to see him face-to-face for this interview and to share all of this incredible knowledge with all of you. And I can't wait to debut it. Hey, Joe, thank you so much for coming here at this bar with me. (laughs) Can you fill in the gaps of your story and why you live an offbeat life? Well, hi, Deb. Thanks for having me at this bar. Um, First of all, it's great to be here with you in uh, this beautiful city. And uh, yeah, I live an offbeat life uh, because, uh, you know, I've been producing, directing for a long time now, almost 10 years, and uh, produced some pretty offbeat projects. And uh, I wouldn't say that I have a, a schedule that most people have. I, worked, I work usually around 60 or more hours a week, and I'm always kind of figuring out what the next project is and, and collaborating with people that are usually offbeat. I don't consider myself one of those like nine to five guys. I'm always trying to, um, you know, figure out what the next next step is, what the next project is, and collaborate and meet with new people and uh, and work on things that are outside of what people would consider to be normal. It's it's true because there's a lot of people that really we most of us just live the nine to five life, you know, that's the norm. But you actually went out of that box and that's why I'm interviewing you. But let's go back to when you really decided that you wanted to be a producer and you wanted to work in film. How did that come about and how did you decide to do that? What was your motivation? I don't remember really deciding that I wanted to work in film or TV or anything like that, but I've always been kind of interested ever since I was a little kid, I think my first memory would be um, as a child, I grew up in the former Soviet Union, Soviet Union, and <clears throat> we had a neighbor that was uh, a film actor, and um, he actually ended up you know, working on a few films out here in the U.S., um, but back then, it was, that was the late 80s, early 90s, actually late 80s before uh, the, the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991, but he came over to our apartment with at the time a VHS camcorder and you know in the Soviet Union at that time that was like something that you would not ever see so I kind of I was I think I was like five years old at the time and I 
we still have the videotape of me kind of like looking at Pam as, as, as he's filming and I'm like, what is that? And he kind of explained what it was and then I kind of started to become interested in what the camera was and I would always, you know, years after that kind of uh, be interested in his projects and develop an interest for the arts. I grew up in an artistic household. My father was, a, um, was an artist and a, a bookbinder, a bookmaker, made uh, books out of leather. So... I was always surrounded by the arts and always painting and drawing as a child. And then uh, when I was a little kid, I started uh, doing a lot of community theater from the time when I was around 10 uh, all the way till high school. And after high school, I was doing theater and production. So I was always kind of creating and I would create these little stories and, you know, act out little scenes, uh, put them on. We, I eventually got a, a camera of my own and I would make little movies with my sisters from a very young age. So I would always be making stuff and creating and writing and directing and just kind of came naturally to me. I was never much of an athlete. You know, I wanted to be a basketball player, but I was way too short and just too Jewish. Um, and uh, that never really worked out for me. Uh, my grandfather was a physicist, so I, I was supposed to be you know, good at math, but I really was not. So the only thing that I kind of was really kind of excelled at was it was the arts was, you know, either drawing or acting or directing. Once I got out of high school, I went to L.A. Uh, I was on a show on Nickelodeon for a little while and acting. And, but I would still, my passion would always be to kind of create my own projects, even if I was acting in them. But ultimately, I, you know, anything that I did, I had kind of a vision to it. So and I didn't want to be one of those guys that just sat around waiting for the next role or auditioning all the time. So I'd, I started creating my own content and um, it just uh, kind of kept going from there. Your childhood, it seemed like you had a lot of influence from, from your parents, especially your dad, because he's also an artist. I also didn't know that you, you were born in the Soviet Union. Yeah, I was born uh, in 1984 in the former Soviet Union and I immigrated to America about in 1991, about three months before the collapse of the Soviet Union. So the government, my parents had to actually, uh, because my grandfather uh, had moved to America, gotten permission to move in 87. He's, he was a physicist, so he got permission to work at the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory in Berkeley, California. So he invited us uh, back then, but it took, it took almost eight years, about eight years for my parents to get permission. Um, and basically the government was like, all right, you guys have 10 days to pack up all your stuff and get out of the country. And you have to pay, give us, you know, pay us money to revoke your citizenship because you guys are traitors to the country. So we basically had like 10 days to pack everything up and just get out. So that must have been such a huge, obviously it's a huge change for you and your family. So let's go back to the first steps that you took in order to realize your dreams and your goals to go into the entertainment industry because it's a really hard field to get into and I was talking to somebody about this the other day. You really need to have a thick layer of skin to continue in this industry. How did that go about for you and how did you... Um, really go through all of this with the rejections and all of that because I'm sure there was a lot of it, right? I, I was used to rejection just from an early age, just asking girls out on dates. So <laughs> I uh, got used to that pretty quickly. So it didn't rejection wasn't really that hard for me. I mean, I, I you know, I was, I've been doing it for such a long time and acting and, you know, doing creative stuff since I was, you know, a kid. So I knew that I was, you know, good at it. It can't, rejection comes with the territory, so that wasn't... 
I don't feel like the rejection was too, I took it too personally and, you know, all the times that it happened or I, to this day, I mean, you kind of have to, you know, you can't really think about it too much and you have to move on to the next project. And if, if you know inside that you're, you know, good at something and you believe in yourself, then you're going to, you're going to make it work for yourself and you're going to go on to the next project. And, um, I mean, it, it does take a lot and, you know, if, especially these days, if I'm working on a project for a long time and you never really know, like even you know the great filmmakers they don't they always say they you don't really know what it's going to be until you get the reaction of people so it's your energy and all of your creativity into a project and work as hard as you can on it and look at it over and over and over and over again and and keep fixing it keep repairing it keep keep working at it and just hope for the best i mean you got to hope for the best but you also got to make sure for you that it is the best the best product that you can put out there if it's not received like how you want it to be then I mean a lot of people would be like all right well people don't like it or, or I, you know I, I'm not gonna try anymore whatever that mindset is but I've always been kind of like just keep going and if if you work on something for a year or two years and you gave it the best that you could and it's not received how you wanted well then you're gonna have to do it all over again and work on something else but next time you're going to have lessons that you've learned from the previous experience that you're going to bring to the next project so ideally it'll be you're going to grow and it's going to be better than the last time it's just going from one thing to the next and if you really believe in what you do that's what makes you keep going right so that's why you know you follow it is that you love and you're even with rejections and all of that stuff, it's what's going to keep you. Sometimes the only thing that actually keeps you going is the love for the thing that you're doing. So that is really true. So let's go and talk about what you were doing before because um, Joe right now, he has his own company, uh, Rooster Pictures, and he produces the, the content that he loves to do. But before that, you were actually in big companies like you worked with MTV and VH1. And you decided to to leave that job yourself. And for a lot of people, when they hear that, like, my goodness, why did you decide to leave this amazing company? Um, well, how much time do we have here? Because, uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, I worked in reality TV producing, you know, shows, a lot of hit shows for VH1, MTV, and Discovery Channel, a lot of different networks for a long time. And um, I'd never really thought that I would get into reality TV it just kind of happened after I moved to LA it's it's like one of those things that it's it's uh, I'm not I was never really truly passionate about it and a lot of people that I work with that was their lives just reality TV reality TV but um, I could never really I never had a true connection to it like I did you know when I was working on a short film or something you know scripted narrative content um, and the other thing I really didn't kind of connect with was just the, the aspect of manipulating people's like actual lives on camera which I don't pretend to have some kind of like moral high ground when it comes to you know producing I know that the industry is not really you know the the holiest of things to be doing or anything like that but uh, when it came to certain uh, programming uh, you know when you're kind of dealing with people's emotions and you know setting up scenes that could potentially can someone get hurt because they're dealing with a person that could get violent or basically I was dealing with people that wanted to advance the story of 
the episodes and you know they're doing their jobs and I, I get it but at the same time they were hurting the people those people's lives that they were kind of manipulating and documenting and I'm all I'm all for you know document a documentary uh, when you know you're actually telling a story and you know if there's conflict there's conflict and uh, you know, you can, I'm, I'm all for documenting that, but kind of manipulating people's lives in kind of a negative way, I'm not okay with. And I was increasingly becoming part of situations that would, you know, that we would do that in and that would kind of encourage that. And uh, it just kind of left like a bad taste in my mouth. And I just knew that it just wasn't for me. I couldn't do anymore. You know, I had a kind of a physical reaction almost to it when I, I was in these kind of work environments that were very toxic and I decided that I had to get out and I knew that obviously it was pretty lucrative my job that I was doing but I just knew that it wasn't for me anymore and um, I'm kind of in the process now of transitioning out of all that and I'm getting into more uh, I'm producing commercials now I'm producing kind of things where I can really, you know, create these these projects that are, uh, you know, they can still have conflict or drama or whatever it is, but, you know, it's like, you know, we're using actors or using a, a creative treatments and not just, you know, people's lives. That takes a lot of guts to do that because you've worked so hard to get to that place and that point in your life. And then sometimes we do get to that goal and then we realize that, you know, after dreaming about it, after working so hard, then you get to that point and then you realize it's not really something that you thought it was going to be. And for you to realize that and know that for yourself, that it's not the right thing for you, that takes a lot of guts to actually leave. You know, because, you know, I'm sure it's it was one of the toughest things or maybe not. Maybe it was just easy for you to, to let go. But that's that's a pretty great lesson to learn, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, it definitely wasn't easy, and it, I mean, it's one of those things like, you know, like Al Pacino in The Godfather Part Three. It's like when he's trying to leave the mob. It's like, <laughs> you know, you, you try to leave, but they pull you back in. Um, it's one of those, like I could easily, and it's really easy for me to go back and get a job in reality and do that. But I just know that, I, you know, I've never been the type of person that would try to take the easy way out. I'd rather, you know, work really hard and, you know, do what I think it or what I, what feels right to me over the years I've learned that if it feels right then it's going to work out if, if there's even like some kind of thing in my gut like even from the beginning of a project that it's like I don't I'm unsure about it or I don't know if I want to do it or just feel like there's some kind of feeling about it that doesn't really that I don't really like then eventually that project's not going to turn out you know, or that experience is not going to be what I wanted it to be or what I was expecting it to be or something's going to happen that's going to affect it negatively. That's just what I've learned. So I, it's taken a lot of, like, trials and tribulations to get to the point of, of knowing, like, all right, this doesn't feel right, then I have to say no. One of the really main things why people stay at a job, too, is because of the security and obviously the financial um, aspect of it and you were very lucrative in that job and for you to let go of that to pursue what it is that you really love to do that's a really great thing and to to know that that's not the right thing for you I mean in a way that was kind of a good thing for you to be in that environment because you realize that you know 
that's not really what you wanted to do and it's time for you to move on. So that's in a way that's that's pretty good. Right? <laughs> You're welcome, Joe. <laughs> You've been through a lot of things already. You worked with huge companies. You have started your own company. What has been the biggest setback so far that you've encountered, and how did you handle that? It's been it's been a few setbacks, <laughs> but um, I would say overall, just working at other companies is has been. I mean, I've had I've learned a lot, even if you know my experience wasn't. You know, even if the experience wasn't the greatest over the over the past few years or whatever the company was, I feel like I've learned a lot. But just having the time to do everything and having, especially working on your own projects if you're working at another company, that's that's really difficult and just takes a toll on you. Just basically, you know, working 10 to 12 hours and coming home and working until three, four, five in the morning on your own project getting a couple hours of sleep and then going back to work. Over time, it takes, it takes a toll on you. So I, I guess time, just having more time or having, not having enough time is, is probably the biggest thing. And, you know, just not spending time with people that you love or not having enough time to do other things, kind of just sacrificing everything. That's a really big setback. It's time, not having enough time, especially with people that you love and, you know, things that you like to do besides just your passion. But again, it's a lot of sacrifices, right, to get to this point and to get to what you really want to do. And that's one of the biggest things. And, you know, we just have to remind ourselves a lot of times to stop what we're doing and give ourselves time to just think or to get out of the project sometimes because when you're in it for so long and for so many hours like you don't even know if it's night or day anymore <laughs> it's true if you could go back and give yourself one advice what would it be listen to your mother <laughs> yeah um yeah i guess a, a lot of the decisions i made early on uh, we're just kind of based on kind of like I had like kind of a rebellious kind of attitude I you know I still do to some degree but uh, I feel like it would have been better if I you know earlier on had kind of like figured out and written down a game plan because when you're you know, when you're younger it feels like you're you have all this time in the world and everything's gonna happen how you expect it or want it and 10, 15 years later, you're like, all right, well, you know, something's happened and something just didn't. And, um, but you learn from those experiences. But yeah, I mean, I think writing, writing out a 10-year plan, a 20-year plan, uh, you know, fresh out of high school is something that I definitely wish I would have done. It's everything, everything you do is ultimately a learning experience. And even if, even, sorry, my bat phone is going off. I don't know. <laughs> um, even, you know, if, if you know, I have a negative experience with with a production, or something goes exactly opposite of how I wanted it to go, you know, obviously you can feel frustration or disappointment in the moment. But ultimately, you have to take those experiences and and use them. Uh, you have to take those failures and and use them to to you know for the next project to for it to not be as a failure like last time, or take something that happened that was negative and 
make sure that never happens again. The first feature film my producing partner and I did, there was lots of mistakes and just, you know, things that, you know, I think are going to be fine. And you, when you hire people, you trust that they're going to do their job properly. And then you look at the footage and realize that sometimes <laughs> that's not the case. So it's just uh, of kind of learning from each one of your experiences and making sure that, it, you know, the next one is it's a little tighter and sharper than the last. When you have those, that, that those are setbacks, right? And mistakes that you make, but the more mistakes you make, the more you learn and the better it becomes later on, especially with what you're doing with the content and everything. And I do love the fact that you mentioned goal setting because I was like that too. I never used to have, I never used to write down what it is that I wanted to do. And you kind of just like, do whatever it is that you feel like and then you don't write it down, you don't set the goals, you don't do what it is. The more you write things down and set a goal, it's easier for you to take one thing at a time and work on it because you have that thing that you're trying to work on. So I really love that, Joe. <laughs> Let's talk about how you finance your career right now as um, you started your business. How did you end up leaving your job and what is it like right now for you to create finance and for you to continue to create the income that you're doing? Um, yeah, I mean, it's always like, I always use, you know, whatever job I'm at, I'm kind of use what I make, my savings to finance current projects or help finance. Over the last couple years though, I've been starting to raise more money outside of my own finances um, for these projects. Uh, but ultimately, you know, the, you know, even if it's if you don't want to do it at the time in terms of like financing, if you have the if you can finance your own projects, I'd recommend just to do it because all, you'll have the the complete ownership of your project. Um, you know, obviously, if someone was to give me a few million dollars to to do a movie, I'm not going to say no. But uh, it's always there's always that fine line because it's like if someone gives you money then they expect to have ownership and it's very rare that you can find someone that you can collaborate with and that you you know trust completely in terms of them having creative input you know a lot of the times even if I do like an independent independent project where someone puts up some money for it in my experience there's always been issues because that you know I, I'm usually more experienced than that person, and that person may have a good idea, but they don't have the, the background, you know, or the experience or know-how uh, to make it come to fruition, and they, but they feel like since they're putting up the money that they have a say creatively in everything, and I feel like that's a big struggle with a lot of, it's been a big struggle for, you know, ever since the beginning of show business, I feel like with networks and creative people, it's, there's always a disconnect. It's, all, it's, all, it's always been an issue with, with directors and, and networks because the directors are, are financed by these, these guys in suits that think they, because they're giving money, they can dictate how the production is supposed to go creatively, which is, I mean, ultimately the, the ideal situation is for someone to give me some money and for them to not talk to me until the project is done. <laughs> that's that's going to be the best outcome. Uh, to accomplish that is very difficult, but uh, it's not impossible. That's the dream, is to, to get money and for those people to not speak to me until <laughs> until it's all done.
How would you, you typically get financing for that? Do you, I mean, how do you pitch to people? Where do you find these types of investors that would invest on a film? Uh, I mean, it's, that's like a tricky question. It's not like a specific website or place you can really go to. I mean, it's investors.com. Yeah, just get your movie made. I mean, it's, it's something that um, I feel like most filmmakers struggle with. And, um, but, you know, there are people out there. You just have to meet the right people that, are, uh, that have the, you know, the money and to have the interest uh, and you know, ultimately, if they if they believe in you to to make the project happen, they'll give you the money. Um, in terms of where to find them, it's it's. I mean, you just have to kind of meet some people with yeah, meet some people with some money. You know what I mean? So, I mean, there's there's various different avenues of of how you can find them and networking and uh, you know, getting your stuff in film festivals and just getting your stuff seen. I mean, a lot of a lot of creative people are you know, very neurotic. I'm not going to say I'm not, but uh, a lot of them work on projects for years and uh, they're always talking about this project they're working on, but it, the project is probably done, but they're just, they've looked at it so many times that they're scared to show it to people. You know, it's just about churning it out. I mean, it's never going to be perfect. Even the even stuff you see in the movie theaters is not, not perfect. There's no, I mean, there's no such thing as perfection, so... Um, when it comes to filmmaking, so you just got to get it out and get it done and get it done as quickly as possible and, and make it the best product that you can make it. If it does something great, if not, then you have to be mentally prepared just to do it all over again. That's really true. It's, it's really hard, especially if you're creative and you have all of this work that you did and you put so much time and effort. and a lot of yourself into it you know and it's very hard to put that out there and for a whole audience to see it and I think that's why it stops many t to just show it even right like you said the the first thing that's the toughest is just putting it out there <laughs> in the first place so that's true so let's talk about the worst advice you have ever received from someone can you remember that? And <laughs> um, yeah, it was actually for um, a rap party for I forget which show it was, but it was um, when I worked for this company called Fifty One Minds, and we were we were doing, we did a show with um, uh, Christopher Knight. He's one of the, uh, like one of the Brady Bunch kids, and. Um, we were at this rap party, and he was a little drunk, or maybe I was a little drunk, or maybe we were both a little drunk. And I was just like, uh, I was like still starting out at the time, I was like a production assistant, and I was like, hey Chris, can I just ask you a quick question? And he was like, yeah, sure man, what's up? And I was just like, uh, I was like still starting out at the time, I was like a production assistant. Chris, can I just ask you a quick question? And he was like, yeah, sure man, what's up? I was like, and I was, I mean, in my mind, a, a dick, it was like, joking question but I said it with a straight face I was like hey man what's your secret and he's like well my secret is don't aim too high or too low just somewhere in between just be realistic about life I'm like that's like I mean it's pretty realistic advice but it's not anything inspiring or uh, it's, it's kind of it I thought at the time it was yeah just be mediocre at best pretty much
that's uh, and just any any advice where someone has told me to uh, to basically just you know do go the standard route or you know to me it's like I mean as cheesy as as it sounds you have to you have to go with your gut your heart whatever it is that you know you have to you know no matter what because at the end of the day it's you're 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 not going to look back at your life and and think about how much money you've made you're going to look back and and think about like you know the things that you've you've done the the creative projects that you've put out there and enjoyed and the people that hopefully you've touched with them and hopefully that will that will have made an impact on someone i mean to me that's that's what's kind of important i don't I've never done this for money. I mean, it's it's nice to make money doing this, but uh, it's not like my main purpose. You know what I mean? It's, you have to love what you do. Well, you know what it is too. I think sometimes people give us those advice because they didn't reach something with what they wanted to do. So maybe they thought it's a good idea to give you that advice, but just because they didn't get to the point, that point doesn't mean you're not. You know, you don't know what you're capable of until you push yourself to your own personal limit. So nobody can tell you what kind of you know limit you have until you do it yourself. There's a lot of people right now who are really struggling to find themselves, right? And to find their purpose. And what would you say to them, you know, to, to, to those people who are still trying to do that and really are very confused or even if they knew what they were doing, they're just really struggling to actually take that first step that you did when you left a lucrative career, start your own company and to do something that you knew you were passionate about. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to the the thing about just just listening to your your gut and your how your your mind or body like physically reacts to you know to you know something that you love versus something that is you know maybe close you know close to what you like doing or maybe you know or working a nine to five and how you how you physically feel when you think about those things you have to find the thing that whatever that thing is that you think about it you feel good or it makes you like ha you have kind of a, an emotional reaction to it a positive emotional reaction to it and then you know if you if you are able to find whatever that thing is and figure out kind of getting a little bit closer to what whatever that is and even if it's a small step or even if it's making a list of five steps that you have to take to get to that place or just figuring out, you know, just kind of taking one step in the right direction. It doesn't have to be like a whole giant leap. If, if you keep doing that, you know, every day, like I, I, every day of my life, I try to do something that leads me in the right direction, even though I know it's like within a day's time, it might not seem like that much, but if you do it, a little bit of something reach that place eventually. It's true because those little steps, they create bigger things and then it just snowballs into something else and they become bigger and bigger. And one of the things that I also wanted to touch up on is when you talked about when you were saying that doing those little things and then making, you know, little steps at a time. But one of the things that a lot of people are struggling with is when they're at a job that they really hate and they feel like they're trapped because it's not really their purpose or their passion. And I think one of the biggest reasons why we feel like that is because we're not to working towards something that we really want to do. So 
if you are still at a job or a place that you are not happy with, it does not mean that you're going to be there forever if you work on something that you actually want to do with your life, right? So if you're in your job that you really hate, but when you're in your own personal time, you're doing little steps to get to that passion and purpose that you want, you won't feel so negative and lost. And it's it's gonna come because you're gonna work on it even though it's small pieces at a time, right? Um, and I'm sure you felt that way when you were doing reality TV and you just were unhappy about it, but then you took that step to get out and do your own thing. What are you working on today that is really exciting you? Um, well, I'm working on a couple different projects, um, producing a, uh, a documentary about competitive eating. We've been uh, filming like the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Competition in the last couple of years, so we're, uh, I'm editing that right now. Um, we're also like developing uh, a project. We're going to shoot like a feature-length project that we're going to shoot next year called The Red Troll, uh, about a troll that uh, is like a government-hired troll during the Clinton-Trump campaign. Um, it's kind of a dark satire. My producing partner, Sean Slater, is doing a, a uh, documentary he produced called um, Target St. Louis about a group of like Afri uh, an African-American community in St. Louis that was uh, basically had, uh, was tested on, uh, government went in and, and uh, in the 60s and exposed this community to high levels of radiation poisoning. Um, and now the community is still feeling the effects of that poisoning to this day. So they went in uh, and uh, shot with the uh, community there. And we're doing, we have a few other projects that we're developing, one about the um, Harlem Globetrotters. Um, so we're having a, a few documentary projects that we're uh, working on, and um, as well as developing some feature-length content. And uh, we're, we're starting a new um, kind of a, a parent parent company to our own company um, called And Media, and we're specializing in commercial production um, as well. I've been kind of uh, producing commercials lately, uh, higher-end uh, ads, 30-second, one-minute-long ads um, that we're kind of adding to the ro to our kind of uh, roster of, of projects. That sounds amazing. It seems like you guys are really busy right now and so exciting. I can't wait to see all of the projects that you are all going to be doing. If our listeners want to know more about you and what you do and Ruser Pictures, can you let us know where they'll find you? Yeah, um, you can uh, check me out on ruserpictures.com, R-U-Z-E-R pictures, and same name for my Instagram um, and Facebook page. Um, that's, uh, yeah, that's the best way to reach me at the moment. And uh, yeah, we have like our reel up there and all of our content, uh, snippets of our content. We're also, um, our, some of our feature films are available on Amazon and Vudu and Xbox Live and Google, Google Play, um, as well as some other third-party platforms online. Amazing. Thank you so much, Joe, for coming here and having cocktails with me. <laughs> My first ever in-person interview is with Joe. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, Deb. I'm always up for cocktails here <laughs> with or without this microphone. So, Awesome. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Joe. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com for killer resources and so much more. 
Love a good audiobook as much as I do? Of course you do. <laughs> You're in luck. I'm giving away a free audiobook and a 30 day trial to audible.com. Visit offbeatbook.com to get your free gift. Again, that's offbeatbook.com. <laughs> 